The holidays will be very merry and bright for your pet with pet care products from TevraPet.com. Every pet deserves to be healthy. At TevraPet, we keep pets well from nose to tail. Happy holidays from everyone at TevraPet. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Brian Portis, who is the co-founder and national programs director of Neighborhood Cats. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, Stacey. Always great to be back. (laughs) So Brian and I, we see each other pretty much the first weekend of every month uh, doing the TNR uh, certification workshops. And we have uh, also a range of other webinars going on that we have collaborated with Neighborhood Cats. And we love this partnership. And it's just, it's really great. But we're going to start out today with an interesting idea and focus that we have for the online cat conference, which is coming up in January Neighborhood Cats is going to be running um, a special session on both Saturday and Sunday. Can you tell me a little bit about what what you had in mind, Brian, and what I very excitedly agreed to? Sure. So, you know, we've been uh, seeing kind of the rise of the community cat coordinator as a uh, increasingly seeing that as a position in shelters around the country. And we uh, ourselves have worked with many coordinators, have kind of temporarily served as as shelter coordinators, uh, my wife and our executive director, Susie Richmond, and I. And we just started to think that there's really, um, it's such a new position and there's really no formal training for it. And a lot of people kind of come into it with a general idea that, oh, I'm going to be working with cats and they don't really specifically know what it's about. They learn very quickly, but then there's not necessarily tools or materials or a webinar they can go to on how to be a community cat coordinator. So we thought the online cat conference was a perfect opportunity to uh, start to formalize this and get some training uh, to people. And um, also for people who are interested in maybe that's what I want to do one day to really get an idea of what it's about, what's involved, and start to develop more of a of a structure for introducing people to this position. Do you get a sense of how many organizations or what type of organization is out there that really makes that commitment to create this position? Well, we're talking, I think, primarily open admission shelters that are bringing in a lot of community cats by necessity. But increasingly, we're also seeing larger private shelters that also take in a lot of cats and maybe act as the main shelter for their community. That's where we see community cat coordinator positions coming up. A lot of that has to do with the history. That's that's one of the things, the first thing we're going to talk about. So we're, we're going to be doing sessions from 3 to 5 p.m. on Saturday and then 3 to 5 p.m. on Sunday. And on Saturday, we're going to start with a brief history of community TNR programs and The reason for that is because it's important, I think, that people who are working as community cat coordinators or work with them or thinking about becoming one understand their place in the history of community TNR because they're pioneers. 
they really are. They may not know that. And so if you look back at how community TNR has developed, which is really only in the last you know, 15, 20 years, you start to see that community cat coordinators are, are cutting edge. It's a cutting edge position. And it's important to know that and realize that we're still evolving as a field as to what that position means. And that creates a lot of opportunity if you know that. So that's the first thing we're going to do. And when you look at that history, not to go into it in too much depth, but a lot of it, um, community cat coordinators really arose out of uh, the rise of return to field programs. You know, the notion that community cats coming into large shelters should be going out alive, not automatically euthanized. And that really started in 2008. So what a return to field program is for anyone who's not familiar with it is the community cat comes into the shelter usually um, by being trapped by somebody who doesn't want them at whatever location or is, thinks they're helping by catching them and bringing them in. And typically, if these cats in the past, if, if they were feral, so unadoptable by temperament, or if they were unadoptable purely by lack of space, the shelters are already really crowded, uh, these cats were euthanized. That was the traditional model up until 10, 15 years ago. Return to field involves, instead of euthanizing these animals, if they're healthy, they get spayed, neutered, vaccinated, and then returned right back to where they came from. So it's a kind of shelter-based form of trap, neuter, return, except the person doing the trapping doesn't necessarily know that they're also going to be part of the cat coming back. That's kind of the tricky part of it. So when return to field really took off, some of these shelters were dealing with uh, thousands of cats a year. So somebody had to run that program. Somebody had to organize it. Somebody had to determine which cats are going back. Somebody had to pull them out. Somebody had to drive them to wherever they were going. And hence, the role of the community cat coordinator started to grow and become more and more prevalent. And as return to field programs have multiplied across the country, so has the community cat coordinator position. So I'm just trying to understand, you know, we historically in the past have had these smaller TNR-based organizations, Neighborhood Cats started in New York, you know, small grassroots supporting TNR. Many of the community cat coordinators' roles have been played at the Neighborhood Cats level, but now are also at the community cat coordinator position too. It's more of a gatekeeper to that shelter versus what Neighborhood Cats has been doing over the years? Yeah, great question. Um, And that's part of what I mean by this is still an evolving position because there's still a disconnect between the grassroots groups that are primarily doing trap, neuter, return and the larger shelters that are now deeply involved in return to field. And We need to get to a point where those two are parts of the system are working together and they're not. That's not anybody's fault. I think it's just because it's it's evolving. And part of what we're going to talk about on Sunday during the conference is what does the future look like? So on Saturday, we're going to and and the beginning of Sunday, we're going to talk about what's going on now. What, What is a community cat coordinator today? What are the issues they have to deal with? And we'll dive into those with some current experienced community cat coordinators from around the country. But on Sunday, we're also going to look at where are we headed? Where, where should, what should we be aiming for? And that coordination 
of grassroots or the TNR of cats that are, you know, independent of anybody coming in, any of the cats coming into the shelter, plus the shelter-based return to field program. How do you combine those so that you have a more efficient system? So one hand does knows what the other one is doing so that we can make our system efficient. So I'll give you a concrete example because that may just sound too theoretical. So today in most return to field programs, what will happen is the community cat coordinator or a private group that they're working with will, uh, once the cat's been fixed and recovered from surgery, they'll drive the cat back to wherever they came from and boom, you let them go, right? Well, what about if you're a TNR person, you're thinking to yourself, well, where there's one, there's probably many others, right? And uh, what about them? You know, what about the other three or four or 10 cats in the neighborhood? The return to field program isn't going to impact those other cats unless whoever's trapping happens to bring them in too. And we know that kind of citizen-based trapping or even animal control nuisance-based trapping is not an efficient uh, approach to population management because it's reactive. Somebody complains about a cat. Somebody goes out. They, they have no idea how many cats are there. They don't know who's feeding them. They don't know when. They leave a couple of traps out. They come by in a couple of hours. Whoever's in them gets picked up, brought to the shelter. Well, if you do TNR, you know that's not very effective. You, you want to get everybody in the area, all the cats fixed or as close as 100% as possible. So you, you may end up doing a return to field. You save that cat's life, which is great. But how about if we were coordinating with a local TNR group to then follow up in that neighborhood? Or what if we had someone else working at the shelter who was going out and that was their part of the job? So we need to start coordinating return to field and community TNR. Uh, you know, the actual TNR and trapping of cats has to, has to become coordinated. And that's, that's just not happening right now. So that's just a little bit of a flavor of what you'll be hearing about at the online cat conference, which is going to be on uh, January 28th and 29th. The whole conference is 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have a little bit of a event on the Friday before in the evening. Also, just keep an eye out for the online cat conference. It is still time for early bird purchases. So you get the cheaper early bird pricing up until the 28th of December. So feel free to check that all out at the communitycatspodcast.com. All right, we're going to go back into this masterclass here with Brian Cordes from Neighborhood Cats. And I want to ask you, you're just talking about the disconnect, the separation. There's a program that you're in charge of called Cat Stats. Is that one way where we can have all the information try and overlay so that the groups can talk together because they're going to be in some of the same neighborhoods? Yeah, well, CatStats is a is an online database which collects information specifically about colonies, groups of cats. So it collects who the caretaker is, what the location of colony is, the number of cats, the number that are fixed, and then it maps everything. So we have had some communities where the different groups, the major groups involved in TNR in that community work together and have one cat stats database that they can all access. So yeah, that can be really helpful because the way that uh, the mapping takes place, you can you can immediately see whether that colony is 100% spayed neutered, whether nobody in that colony is fixed, whether some of them are. You can quickly get caretaker contact information. And mostly it allows you to have a picture of what's going on where in your community. So one of the ways that what I described was what we would call micro-targeting, which is you return a cat to a location 
and then you assume there are other cats, so you target that specific location. And that can be very, very effective for reducing shelter intake because you're actually specifically doing TNR at the spots where the cats are originating, right? You could not be more specific. So it tends to drive down shelter intake pretty dramatically. But you can also continue to return cats from the shelter and pick a section of the community to do intensive TNR in. You may look at your intake data and notice that there's one part of town where a really high disproportionate number of community cats are originating from. So instead of targeting lots of individual colonies, you just say, let's let's do that zip code or let's do downtown or things like that. So if you map your data, you can just take a quick look and you'll see what is going on where. Anybody who's interested, it's uh, it's only $50 a year and you can sign up at catstats.org. It's a very quick quick sign up and then we can help you set it up and it's designed for non-techie people to be able to run it. Do you have a pet that's naughty or nice? Have you heard about Tevra Pet No-No Correction Spray for cats and dogs? Turn a no-no into a very merry pet. From our family at Tevra Pet to you and your furry pals, happy holidays from Tevra Pet. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. As we embark into 2023, the Community Cats Podcast and Neighborhood Cats, uh, Susie and Brian and myself, along with Kristen, our technical cat, which many of you know out there with the TNR certification workshops, as well as we've had quite a few successful free webinars that we have offered, uh, Trappers Tips and Tricks, Colony Caretaking, The Drop Trap. Um, and return to field. Those are like a series of four that we've had in the past, but we're now going to reorganize the series a little bit. And on February 18th, we have our next free webinar called Mobilizing the Community to Make TNR Happen. So what is this sort of new series that Neighborhood Cats is presenting all about? Well, it really it really carries on the theme that starts with the online cat conference, which is addressing uh, an aspect of community-wide trap neuter return programs. And what we realized is that most of our workshops and webinars in, in partnership with Community Cats Podcast have been very ground level. So um, how do you trap more advanced trapping using the drop trap? Our basic training workshops are all really geared towards the people out there in the field who are working directly with the cats. And obviously, that's, it's critical that everybody's well-trained so they can be effective and do it safely. But what we realized is, is kind of missing from the field in general is how do you do trap near to return if you're an administrator? If you're not a trapper, but you are running a TNR program on a community-wide basis. And that's what this new series is about. So the first one is mobilizing the public. So if you want to get a lot of people in your community doing this work hands-on, what do you have to provide them? You know, education, trap banks, coaches. Um, there's a variety of things. How do you how do you message? 
How do you allocate your resources? How do you deal with the veterinary shortage that we're facing today? So that's what we cover there. And then the next webinar in that series will be about, I believe it's about targeting. And that's what we were just referring to. How do you, how do you select that part of the community? How do you identify it, the one that is where most of the cats are located or are coming into the shelter from? And what do you need to do, you know, and why target? Why is it a more effective and efficient management approach? And what kind of personnel do you need? And how do you find the cats and find the feeders? So there's training on that. And then our last one in the series will be the return to field. What is it? Why do it? You know, it's still a little bit controversial, not nearly as much as it used to be. So we go into the theory of uh, why it works and why it's a good program, and then we get into the mechanics of how you do it. So there's now uh, a level of training being offered through this new three-part webinar series for people who are not hands-on, but who are really on that administrative level, which is um, obviously a very important part of our animal welfare field now. We've had close to 5,000 folks register for our TNR certification workshops. And I'm very proud of that. And I congratulate Brian and Susie for some phenomenal photographs, great videos, really a wonderful online teaching tool that we really had to develop due to COVID. Initially, you used to do your trainings in person and some organizations still do. And we totally support that. We think it's wonderful that local organizations, you know, are able to do training in person. But we had talked about providing this online option for communities that maybe don't have the training or to help groups save time. We also have collaborative partnerships with organizations to try and help them encourage their volunteers to join. But, you know, over the last, we've done this now for about two years, Brian, did you feel that these certification workshops would be as popular as they are these days? Well, we we had no idea, you know, when we started out. As as you say, it was it was as an alternative to the in person workshops we'd been doing in New York City, where typically we would draw twenty to thirty people, you know, a month. And when COVID made that impossible early on in the pandemic, I, I remember we thought, well, let's just try it out online. And then, of course, the first thing that we realized was when you're online, you you know, you can't like limit it to people in New York. <laughs> and why? And why would you? Right. So we just figured, um, all right, let's just try it. And I think we had like 500 signups for the first workshop, some phenomenal number. Um, and and it, since then, it's been, you know, averaging, I think, closer to, you know, a couple hundred maybe. But um, it's been amazingly popular. We, we have people from overseas attending and people from all over the country and so, yeah, no, it's it's been a surprise, and but a, a really a great one. And we kind of realized that, like, there's always a nice part of in person. There's a certain interaction uh, that you get, but when it comes to the actual information that you're imparting, really the only difference is that in person maybe people can put their hands on the traps, but otherwise it's really this kind of the same information that's being conveyed. So. You know, I think we're going to stick with the online format because it, it has been so successful. 
Yeah, I think it's been tremendous uh, help for many organizations. They've reached out and tried to encourage their volunteers and provided scholarships for their volunteers to join us. Um, There's a variety of different ways that you could collaborate with us if you're an organization and you're trying to encourage other folks to, to join. And also, I'm happy to share with people information that they can share on their social media to try and get the word out because about 70% of the folks that attend our TNR workshops are not affiliated with any organization. They are just out there, they're on their own and they want to help cats in their backyard and they want to learn how to do it. And the other thing about being online is there's no judgment, right? You know, you're here, you're watching, but nobody knows that you've never trapped a cat before. It's a really safe space for people to try and learn a new skill or to watch a cat being trapped. There are some people that don't have any idea what happens when a cat goes in a trap. And that can be kind of shocking. What happens, Brian, when a cat goes in a trap? What can happen sometimes? Well, they usually flip out. <laughs> you know, they're, they're quite surprised and their immediate reaction is to try to escape. So that's why it's important to be trained. Do you, how do you calm them down? Because if you cover them with a sheet right away, they calm down very quickly. And you make an excellent point. And that's why we use a lot of video in the workshop to demonstrate what we're talking about. And that's why we use a lot of photographs is so that when you're out there and you actually do it yourself, it's not going to be the first time you've seen these things. Obviously, it's different in person, but it won't be like you have no idea what to expect or how to handle that. After the TNR certification workshop, you will know enough to do it effectively and safely. Of course, there's always more to learn, and that's where we get into the free webinars. And we have our Trapper Tips and Tricks webinar, where we, you know, which is a lot of fun because it gets into really the more esoteric, you know, the people who've been doing it for 20 years and all their little tricks and secrets for catching those elusive cats that won't go into a trap right away, things like that. So there's a variety of training, but, you know, I do agree that the online certification workshop is a great resource for people who really don't have access to to training or also if you're more visually minded, you know, you learn more by looking as opposed to reading a book about it. Not that there were that many books out there. There's, you know, we have a handbook, but I know for me, I'd rather watch a, a webinar than read a primer on how to do something. And you also brought up something I I would encourage people to think about, which is, you know, check out the workshop and you may decide that, hey, rather than start up my own workshop series here and organize the whole thing and do that, I can just refer people to this. And it is a certification workshop. We do make sure that people have been paying attention and learning. We do have a pop quiz at the end that you have to pass in order to show that you were, it's not a tough test, but it's a, you were paying attention test. So that you know when you're lending traps out to people or you're giving them precious slots at your spay-neuter clinic, that they have some training, that they have some idea of what they're doing. Many neighborhood cats, as well as some other organizations that do utilize the certificate as a way to Mm -hmm. determine what volunteers they're able to work with or give potential benefits to. We also have an organization in Michigan all about animal rescue that's also a very active collaborator with us. And when you do come to one of those what uh, one of our workshops, which I believe in 2023, the first one is on January 9th. We also have cat trivia. We have a lot of poll questions. We try to make it fun. It is a two and a half hour session. It is long. It does have a lot of incredible information, but we do have a break in the middle where we have some cat trivia and we usually have one lucky winner has enjoyed a tomahawk trap from our sponsors at Tomahawk. And that that's been really 
quite uh, tremendous and, and wonderful to have their support. Neighborhood Cats has partnered with Tomahawk in helping to design really effective traps for the cats, making it easier for the people, for the humans, for the cats, and for everybody. So Brian, you're also a trap designer too. Well, I'm a, I'm a trap co-designer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's great about working with Tomahawk is that they're incredible craftsmen and engineers. So they make our job in co-designing very easy because we just have to kind of tell them what the problem is or how we would like to see something working differently. And then they figure out how to actually make that happen. So, um, oh, back in the day when everybody who had a drop trap was building them out of wood and netting, you know, I went to Greg Smith at and, and Jenny Smith at Tomahawk and showed them a little little sketch drawing I did of a drop trap. And I said, you know, it would really be great if this was mass manufactured because it's very limited in its its reach right now because, you know, obviously if you have to build it yourself, it's not going to be uh, as popular. So then they took the basic shape of a drop trap and the basic functions of it, and they turned it into a metal trap that could be easily uh, disassembled, carried as a suitcase, easily uh, sanitized. So, you know, we just, we would tell them it needs this. They'd send us another prototype. We'd tell them well, that needs to be a little bit bigger over here. And we just go back and forth until we have something that we're both really happy with. So, you know, they've been a great company to work with that way. So we can only kind of take credit for the desire to have something, <laughs> but they're the ones who figure out how to turn it into reality. Excellent. Uh, so we have a busy, busy January upcoming um, with the TNR certification workshop. And then we also have the online cat conference. If folks are interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Cats, how would they do that? Well, go to neighborhoodcats.org. That will be the easiest way. And you'll see what kind of events we have coming up. And we're a little behind on this, but we usually have some current events, some fun stories about what's going on in the TNR world. There's a lot of how-to information on there. If you'd like to learn more about our organization, go to the About section, and you can learn all about what we're doing there. Now, you and Susie are trapping in Maui now. So how is the situation in Maui with regards to cats? Before we close out, I'd love to get an update on how all of your trapping adventures have been there. It's vastly improved. All of Hawaii and um obviously, there's a lot of people who, who have made this happen. Um, but we came here six years ago because of the euthanasia rates at all the shelters were, you know, well over 80, 90 percent. Um, it was really, uh, there was a lot of uh, anti-TNR sentiment here because of all the native species and the conservation community is very strong here. And TNR was just not taking hold. So we came to Maui where we had a really willing partner. We worked with them to really introduce a strong community TNR program. They expanded their clinic. Other islands started to follow suit. And now, six years later, it's, it's the reverse. They all have live release rates. Pretty sure at least three out of the four islands, I think all four, uh, over 80%, including here on Maui. Here on Maui, there's a return to field program. There's free spay-neuter for free-roaming cats from the Maui Humane Society. We're embarking on a new thing, which would probably be a whole new episode, which is you've heard of the DC cat count, I'm sure. We're about to have the Maui cat count run by the same people. 
And we're going to be doing uh, starting, I think, next, well, you know, well, actually, it's probably wrapping up pretty close to now. I'm thinking of another place. But we should be getting results within the next few months on just how many free roaming cats are there on the island of Maui. And that will help us to target resources and to, um, you know, there's a, a kind of silly debate going on here, whether they're, you know, the, the conservationists say there's hundreds of thousands, so TNR won't do any good. And we say, no, it's not that many and we can make a difference. So we're going to be settling that debate very soon. Well, that'll be fascinating because I would love to see how the DC cat count and the Maui cat count, like how do they relate with one another? Is Are there commonalities in the relationships, in the numbers? I, I tell you, you know, working with the scientists behind this, it's fascinating how they do it. Because you think like, how could you possibly count all the cats on an island the size of Maui, you know? And, and the truth is they don't count them all. They count representative samples. But the way they determine where to count is fascinating. And you can see, oh, yeah, they really can figure this out. They really can get a pretty scientifically uh, reliable estimate on the number of cats. They do all sorts of lines all across the island. They do camera traps in places. They pick certain spots to do walks. It's, it's really fascinating how, the, how they go about this. Definitely the wave of the future makes a lot of sense before you launch into a huge community TNR program and put all these resources into your veterinarians and trappers and equipment to actually know how many cats there are and where they are. Yeah. And then and then to do a follow-up a year later, two years later, and see how you're doing. What the change has been. That's really very interesting. Anything else, Brian, you'd like to share today before we close? Well, just, just hope to see people at the uh, online cat conference. I think our parts on uh, sections on the community cat coordinator will be really interesting to people who are just interested in TNR and, and how it works on a, on a wide scale. But also, you know, looking forward to uh, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. as well. You always have uh, great content. So just hope to see lots of people there. Yep. Everybody, January 27th in the evening, 28th and 29th during the day, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. will be the online cat conference. So please feel free to join us. You can go to communitycatspodcast.com to sign up at the early bird rate. Uh, So we hope we'll see you there. Brian, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And thank you for partnering with the Community Cats Podcast. Our pleasure, as always. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. The holidays will be very merry and bright for your pet with pet care products from TevraPet.com. Every pet deserves to be healthy. At TevraPet, we keep pets well from nose to tail. Happy holidays from everyone at TevraPet. Pet.